And so if you would like to share the word of God with me, the reading of his scripture, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1, and we are going to read from verse 4 down through verse 10. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, down through verse number 10. I got my preaching buddy right on the front row. (laughs) Sometimes the louder I get, the louder he gets. It's all right. I'm not bashful. (laughs) Amen. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. The Bible said, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, he says, I sanctified you. That word sanctified means that We have just been set apart or set aside for a specific purpose. When you hear the word sanctified, it means to be separated, set apart for a particular use. He says, I sanctified you and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And this is Jeremiah's response to God speaking to him. He says, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. You got the wrong guy. I'm just a kid. But the Lord said to me, Do not say that I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you will speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And then he said, And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. That's a pretty powerful plan. Can you say amen? God says, I have a specific work for you. I'm going to stop reading right there this morning and ask that you Bow your heads and we will pray together. Ask the Lord for his help and for his anointing and ministering his word. All right, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. We are thankful for the opportunity that you have given to us to be here. We appreciate the presence of the Holy Spirit that we have felt as we have worshipped your name. And we come now to the reading of the word. And Father, this word that I feel like you have placed upon my heart, I ask that you would help me to convey it. In my own ability, I can do nothing. But I look to you, the author and finisher of my faith. I look to you to enable me and to help me put words in my mind and words in my mouth. 
I pray that you will help me to bring glory to Christ and that you this morning, Heavenly Father, will be lifted up and that people will be edified and encouraged through the word. Bless me now to be a blessing, I pray. Let your word come with liberty and freedom here in the house of the Lord this morning, I ask. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. amen. So I want to paint a picture for you this morning. Jeremiah has the spirit of the Lord arrive or show up. And God says to him, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had a plan for you. I knew who you were. I knew who you were going to be before you ever arrived. And he said, I've set you apart. I've sanctified you. I've, I've got a specific plan in mind for you. You're not here by happenstance. You are not here by circumstance. You're not an accident. I have a very specific plan for you. He says, I'm going to ordain that you are a prophet unto the nations. And Jeremiah said, hmm, you're talking to me? You got the wrong guy. Not me, Lord. I am but a youth. I am but a youth. I cannot speak. I, I don't have the ability. I don't have the talent. I don't, I don't have the gifting for such a calling. What I would like for you to see this morning and what I would like to do is take some time to minister to you concerning, amen, how we obtain a proper perspective of our life and how that we can determine the proper value of our self-worth because God had a particular work in mind for Jeremiah and Jeremiah couldn't see himself doing what God had called him to. To do. I believe that our text is relevant because Jeremiah did not see himself the way that God saw him. Jeremiah did not have a God view of himself. I want to title my message this morning, A God View of You. A God View of You. God says to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. And he tells him, I've got a specific work for you. He's telling Jeremiah that before you were ever formed, before even your parents even thought about you, God said, I knew you and I had a plan for you. Can I tell you this morning that God knew who you were going to be? He brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. And he knows who you are and he has a specific plan in mind that only you can fulfill. Amen. Because Jeremiah did not see himself the way that God saw him, he says, in essence, Lord, you got the wrong person. 
You got the I, I'm nothing more than a child because Jeremiah did not have a God view of himself. He automatically concluded that he was incapable and unqualified. Amen. Because Jeremiah did not see himself the way that God saw him. He was willing to turn down the very calling that God placed on his life. Now stop and think about that for a moment. Because Jeremiah did not recognize how God saw him, he was willing to say no to God and God's purpose for his life. He was willing to tell God, God said, I've ordained that you're a prophet. Jeremiah said, I don't see that. I don't want that. He was willing to turn down the very thing that God wanted to do with his life. All because he did not have a God view of himself. He did not have a God view of his self-worth. The truth was that Jeremiah had the wrong perception of who he was and what he could accomplish with God's help. Amen. I will tell you right up front this morning that I identify with Jeremiah. Because when God saved me and called me to preach his word, the first thing that I did was gave him all kinds of excuses why he had the wrong guy. I reminded God of all of my crazy immoral things that I had done. I reminded him that I had not been an upstanding citizen. I reminded him that I wasn't qualified as an eloquent speaker or a public speaker. I reminded him that I don't even like being the center of attention. I reminded him of all kinds of reasons why I was the wrong guy for the calling. But he continued to deal with my heart and I came to realize that he was not going to relent. And I also came to realize that God did not see me as I saw myself. I came to realize that God saw not only what I was, but he also saw what I could be if I would just yield my life to him. Amen. Some of you here this morning, you just cannot see, amen, what God can do with your life. But that's because you just do not realize what God can do in and through you if you give him the opportunity. Hmm. Amen. I came to realize that was his divine help. He would make the difference in my life. So let me begin this morning by just asking you, how do we view ourselves? How do we view ourselves through the lens of our own eye and understand that I'm not just talking about the natural eye. I'm talking about a much deeper perception and a much deeper look that looks at who we are as an individual. How do we measure our self-worth. How do we determine our self-value? Do we have a God view of ourselves? 
Amen. When God began to speak to my heart about this service, he began to put upon my heart that there are millions of people around the world who are currently and who have in the past struggled with their sense of self-worth all because they are evaluating themselves by the wrong barometer and they are, amen, identifying or evaluating themselves by the wrong indicator. There are millions of people all over the world this morning that are struggling with their sense of self-esteem all because they do not have a proper perspective of their place in this world. There are those that are sitting right here, right now in this sanctuary this morning and those that will be listening by the way of the internet later on. There are those that have bought into the lie of the enemy that they are nothing and they will never be anything. They bought into the lie of the enemy that they are not good enough. That they will never measure up. That they will never achieve. Can I tell you this morning that the enemy is a liar? Someone asked me, you know, amen, here just this past week, Pastor Gary, how do you know when the enemy's lying? I said every time he opens his mouth uh, because the Bible said that he is the father of lies uh, and the truth is not in him. So if he's talking, he's lying. Hello? Amen. Let me tell you this morning what I believe the Holy Spirit has laid upon my heart to ask you. How about you? How about me? How do we measure our self-worth? How do we determine our self-value? In our American culture, we tend to place an extreme value on outer appearance. We tend to compare ourselves among ourselves. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I'm, I may not be as bad as that guy, but I'm better than that guy. Hello? We have a tendency to compare ourselves among ourselves. We measure our success and our self-value by evaluating how we stack up in relation to those that are around us. Well, I may not be as good as them, but I am better than them. Well, let me just give you a scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. This is what the apostle Paul said about comparing yourselves among yourselves. Paul says, for we dare not. It's not a good idea. We dare not compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So what Paul is saying that if you are evaluating your self-worth and your self-value by comparing yourself to someone else, you are not wise. You are making a foolish mistake. Because God did not call you and bring you into this world to walk in their path. He brought you into this world to be you. Mm. 
Paul is saying that if we are finding our self-worth and our self-value by comparing ourselves with others, then we are not wise. If we are measuring ourselves based upon the fact that we are more successful than our neighbor, then we are making a foolish mistake. If we are measuring our value and our self-worth, amen, based upon our physical attractiveness or or the fact that we drive a better car or the fact that we live in a better house, you're making a foolish mistake. Our self-worth is not based upon others or how we compare to others. The truth is, if we are honest with ourselves, the truth is that much too often we measure our self-worth by the value system of this world, the value system of our culture. Amen. We, We have a tendency to place great value upon youth and beauty, upon athletic ability and education, We place great value upon wealth and prosperity, amen, and affluence. We place great value upon notoriety and fame. But if we are measuring ourselves by those values, then what happens when youth fades and beauty turns to wrinkles? (laughs) Hello, I, I used to have some game. You wouldn't know it now. What happens when the supermodel gains some super weight and everything starts to sag? Hello? Trust me, I mean, gravity will take over. Hello? What happens when everything that we based our self-worth upon fades and there's nothing? What happens when we base uh, our self-worth upon the words and the opinions of others that are around us uh, only to find out that their opinions uh, are just like shifting sand uh, and with the changing, they'll blow one way this way and the next day they'll blow the other way. What happens when we base our worth Upon the value system of the world. Amen. The truth of the matter is that we all, we all have struggled with insecurities and self-doubts. We all have struggled at times with self-worth and self-esteem. We experience the stinging rejection. And out of that rejection comes the feeling of inadequacy and insufficiency. We experience the ridicule and scorn of a mocking bystander. And out of that mocking scorn or out of that ridicule comes an introverted, withdrawn, exclusive, uh, and reserved kind of attitude. We don't want to put ourselves out there. Amen. Somebody might talk about us. Somebody might put us down. Amen. Anybody understand what I'm saying this morning? Amen. We we experience the harsh words of criticism and disapproval from some arrogant detractor. Amen. And with that criticism comes the feeling of being defective and incompetent. And here's the problem. If we hear it long enough and if we listen to it often enough, we begin to believe it ourselves. 
And pretty soon we will start talking to ourselves about it. How inadequate we are and how we don't measure up and how we fail and amen and on and on and on. We become convinced that we will never fit in, that we will never measure up. We become convinced that no matter how hard we try, our effort is going to come up short. We begin to, to be convinced that no matter, amen, how hard we try, or, that we'll never be, we've never been good enough, and we'll never be good enough. Amen. Let me just tell you this morning, the enemy will come along and sit down on your shoulder and whisper in your ear that you are not the brightest crayon in the box. Amen. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to discourage you. He's trying to get you to get discouraged. The enemy will show up and whisper in your ear that you are not talented enough. You are not talented. You're not gifted enough. Amen. Has anyone ever come down the road of life and indicated that you were not beautiful enough or that you were not handsome enough or that you were too tall or you were too short or you were too fat or you were too thin? Amen. Do you hear what I'm talking about? The enemy will send somebody along if you're going to be willing to listen and tell you why you don't measure up. And sometimes those words come from folks that we admire and hold in high esteem. And when it does, it cuts like a knife and it's difficult to get over. So again, I ask you this morning, what about you? What about me? How do we, how do we have a healthy and stable opinion of who we are as a person? Are we comfortable in our own skin? Do we have a healthy view of admiration and appreciation for who we are as an individual? Do we value and respect and appreciate the calling that God has placed upon our lives? Or do we mostly see ourselves as lacking and never measuring up? Do we mostly see ourselves as inadequate and substandard? What is our view of ourselves? You say, Pastor Gary, we're not supposed to have a very high view of ourselves. We're supposed to be humble. Well, let me just tell you that that's true. We are supposed to be humble. But you also need to understand that you don't have to be self-deprecating and self-critical to have a humble spirit. You don't need to... Amen. You don't need to have a, a, a deprecating or self-deprecating kind of attitude toward yourself to be humble. We need to understand that there is a difference between having a humble spirit and, and, and having self-worth, having pride and having self-value. There's a difference between pride and having a godly view of who we are in Christ. There is a difference. In case you never stopped to consider the difference, let me just share it with you this morning. The difference between pride and having self-worth or self-esteem. Pride is defined as a feeling of superiority over someone or above someone. Self-esteem is having self-worth, self-respect. 
Pride is haughty, arrogant, conceited. It is an attitude that is shown by some who believe that he or she is superior or better to others. That's what we are to reject. But self-esteem or self-value or self-worth, amen, is needed in our life. If we don't see ourselves the way God sees us, then we will be just like Jeremiah, thinking that we could never do anything for God. There's a vast difference between pride and self-esteem. There is a vast difference between being arrogant and self-respectful. There is a vast difference between being haughty and conceited and being filled with a humble spirit of self-worth. There is a difference. It's absolutely true that we are to resist pride. Let me give you some scriptures for that. Romans chapter 12, verse number 3 says that a man should not think more highly of himself than he ought to. Proverbs 6, 16 through 17, it says six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. You know what the first one is? A proud look, an arrogant attitude. James 4 Chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6 says, But God gives grace to the humble. Wherefore, God says he resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Proverbs 16 and verse 18 said, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. Proverbs 29 and verse number 23 said a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. So yes, it is absolutely true that we are to resist and reject pride, but it is equally true. That if we do not recognize who we are and what we have become through our relationship with Jesus Christ, then we will never completely fulfill our divine destiny and purpose and calling for which he has brought us into this world. If we don't have a God perspective of who we are, then we will live in lack and inability and we will let lack and inability dictate our actions. And I am afraid that we will miss out on some opportunities that God wants us to discover. Our text is a great example of what I'm saying. God calls Jeremiah, speaks to him and tells him, I have specifically given you a plan and a purpose. And Jeremiah cannot see that in himself. He does not see him the way God sees him. And therefore, he was willing to reject God's plan and God's purpose for his life. Jeremiah saw himself as incapable and inadequate, but God saw him being full of potential and an opportunity to share his word with the nations. Jeremiah saw himself as having no value and nothing to offer. He said, I knew you, God said, I knew you from your mother's womb. I've been waiting a long time for you, son. I've been waiting for you to arrive. And Jeremiah couldn't see it. And therefore, he rejected God's plan, not me. 
not me. Beloved, what I want you to see this morning is that Jeremiah's value was not in the way that he saw himself or his value was not in the way that others viewed him, but his value was in the fact that God saw something in him that he could use. His value was in God's view. His value was in God's sight, how God saw him. Our value this morning, amen, our life is valuable because we have been created in him. We've been created in his image. Our life is valuable and our worth is because of our relationship with God. Listen to Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. God says, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Amen. They are thoughts of peace. They are thoughts of good and not evil to give you an expected end. I'll tell you this morning, you are so valuable to God that Jesus said that the very hairs of your head are numbered I've always said he knows which ones are turning gray and which ones are turning loose and I got both but what I want you to see this morning and what I want you to understand is that Jeremiah did not see himself as God saw him and because of it he was willing to reject God's calling now, that is a powerful thing. Now, let me just also tell you that Jeremiah is not the only one that's ever done that. Let me take you back to the book of Exodus real quick and just share with you about Brother Moses. Here's what happened. God said to Moses out of the burning bush when Moses turned aside to see the bush that burned and didn't, wasn't consumed, God said, Moses, take off the shoes for the ground that you're on is holy ground. Moses took off his shoes. God said to him, I've heard the cry of my children. I've heard the cry of my people who are in slavery in Egypt, and I'm going to send you to go. And tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Moses said, whom shall I say sent me? And the Lord said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am that I am. You go tell him that the I am said, let my people go. Moses says to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go in your stead? Who am I? That I should be the one that you would choose. God speaks to him, says, I, I'm calling you, I'm calling you out. Verse or chapter four, verse 10. The Bible says that Moses continues making excuses. Not just who am I, but in verse number 10 of chapter 4, he says, Lord, I'm not eloquent of speech. I am slow of speech and of slow tongue. And God argues with him, says, Who made man's mouth? And he said, Well, Lord, you did. And and, and the Lord said, I'll be with you, you go. And, and this is what Moses finally says to him in verse 13 of chapter 4. He says, Lord, send, I pray you, somebody else. Send somebody else. I don't see what you see. I don't see in me what you see. 
Amen. So Moses himself was willing to turn down the, the call of God because he didn't have a proper view of who he was. Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, verse 12, talking about Gideon. The Bible said that the children of Israel were surrounded by the Midianites. They had encamped around about them and they were, they were oppressing them. And, 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 and any time they would try to thresh wheat or any time they would uh, try to reap their harvest, the Midianites would come in and steal from them and loot and take everything that they had. You'll read about it. Gideon is hidden away in a wine press threshing wheat so he can hide out from the enemy so they can have a little bread in the household. And the Lord shows up. And this is what the Lord says to him. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him and the Lord said unto him, you mighty man of valor. Now, let that sink in for a moment. Here Gideon is hiding in a wine press from the enemy so he can thresh a little bit of wheat to make a loaf of bread, and the Lord shows up and says, you mighty man of valor. I don't know about you, but that just is not the picture of valor. You know, the picture of valor is Mel Gibson, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, here Gideon is hid away threshing wheat, and God shows up and says, You mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, You, you, you talk me? He says, Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why has all of this stuff befallen us? And where are the miracles that our fathers told us about? And God says to him, the Lord answered him and said, you will save the children of Israel. Go in this your might and you will slay the Midianites and I will deliver Israel. And this is what Gideon says to him, Lord, how in the world am I going to save Israel? My family is poor in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's household. Send somebody else. Do you understand what I'm trying to get across to you this morning? If we don't have a proper view of our self-worth, if we don't see ourselves as God sees us, we will be all too willing to just sit on the sideline and pass up the purpose for which he has called us. We will be all too happy to say, Lord, send somebody else. Not me. Here's what I came to tell you this morning. Stop worrying about what you can't do and start concentrating on what you can do. Stop worrying about whether someone else can do a better job than you can and just do the best job that you can do. Amen. If only the best preachers preached, this pulpit would be empty this morning because I am certainly not the best. There are other 
preachers and pastors that I look up to and say, when I grow up, Lord, that man can preach. You hear what I'm telling you? If only the best singers sang, if only the wealthiest people gave, if only the best teachers taught, there would be a great lack among us. God has seen to it that there is no one in the world like you. God has seen to it that there is no one in the world like you. No one has your particular gifts and personality. No one else in the world looks exactly the way that you do. Amen. And you know why? Because God created you to look exactly the way that you look. No one in the world has the same fingerprints that you have. The Bible said that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. God loved you so much that he made you to be absolutely unique and one of a kind. Amen. You have exactly everything that you need. All you need to do is use it. You have everything that you need. All you need to do is use it. There will always be someone with more than you have, but there will never be anyone just like you. There will always be someone that has more than you have, but there will never be anyone just like you. You are his gift to the world. You can either choose to throw down his gifts, amen, that you have been given, or you can pick up those abilities and those gifts and those callings and say, here am I, Lord, send me. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to do whatever you have called me to do. Amen. Instead of viewing ourselves and our self-worth through the lens of the value system of this world, we need to start looking at our value and our worth through the eyes of God. The truth is that we need to have an established view of our net value. Where do we find that? Where do we find that stable stable view of who we are from his word. Let me give you some scripture. John chapter 1 verse 12. This is what the Bible says. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Amen. Let me tell you who God says you are if you've received Jesus Christ. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are a child of the Most High. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 12 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 6. And because you are sons, uh, he has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, uh, crying, Abba, Father. And in verse 7 he says, Wherefore, you are no more a servant, but you are a son. Understand that he's talking about sons and daughters. You are a child of the Most High God. 1 John 3 and 1 says, Behold, uh, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us uh, that we should be called uh, the sons of God. Uh, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 7 says, He that overcomes uh, shall inherit all things. Uh, and God said, I will be his God uh, and he shall be my son. Hmm. Amen. What I'm telling you this morning is that from his view, you are cherished and you are priceless and you are his child. Stop viewing yourself in the negative lens of your own eye and begin to see yourself as valued and treasured. Amen. In the sight of your father. Hmm. I read a story a couple of weeks ago. And the story is of an American tourist who was in Paris and picked up an amber necklace in a trinket shop. And when he arrived back to New York, he went through customs and he was shocked that he paid such a high amount of duty tax on the item. And so when he got it home, he decided he would have the, the necklace evaluated and see what the cost of the necklace was, he would have it appraised. And the jeweler looked at the necklace and said, I'll give you 25000 for it. He only paid dollars in Paris. He was stunned. He decided he would have it evaluated and appraised a second time. And again, the offer was off the charts. Anywhere from thirty-five dollars to $45,000. He said, why? What makes the piece so valuable? I didn't pay that for it. I didn't pay anywhere near that kind of money for it in the shop in Paris. What makes it so valuable? And the guy said, look. Look right here through the magnifying glass. Look through this lens. And you can see the inscription. It said, from Napoleon Bonaparte to my beloved Josephine. Amen. Inscribed on your life is the name of your father. That's what makes you valuable. That's what makes you priceless. Inscribed upon your life, he has covered you with his blood, written his name upon your life. He has made you with his own hands, written his name across your life, and your value is found in his inscription. Your value is, amen, amen, is found in him. He made you who you are. You are unique and you are special because you are his. Here's the way Peter described it, and I will close. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is the way Peter described it. He said, God's children, you are a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation. Did you know 
that Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You'll find that in the book of John, chapter 15. He came along and said, I want you. He, he chose you. He chose you. Peter said, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people in the King James. And that doesn't mean you're weird. It means that you are different. It means that you have been set aside from the world. Amen. He said you are a peculiar peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What I'm telling you this morning is stop seeing yourself through the value system of the world and begin to realize who you are in Christ. You are somebody special. In the sight of God. And that's where your value comes from. And if you see yourself in that lens, it doesn't matter if you turned 60 last week, you're going to be okay. <laughs> Good grief. You, un you understand what I'm saying? If you see yourself... Through his value system. It doesn't matter whether you're young, you're old, you're gray, you're thin, you're fat, you're tall, you're short. None of that stuff matters. That's all superficial junk. What makes you valuable is God put his name upon your life. You are someone special to your father. Amen. Bow your heads and we'll try to close here. Bow your heads, if you will, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for helping me to deliver what you laid upon my heart. Help us this morning to see that our value comes not from what we own or what we possess or what we have as far as the value system of this world. But help us to recognize and realize that our value is because of to whom we belong and whose we are. Help us to realize this morning, Lord, that we are greatly loved of our Father. And give us a view through the lens that you see us. So valuable were we that while we were yet in sin, Christ died to redeem us. So valuable were we that even when we were broken, the Son of God came to bring freedom and life and deliverance and reconciliation unto our God. Those this morning, Lord, that are struggling with self-worth. Help them to see the reality of their value in you. In Jesus' name. 
Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you here this morning and you would just be willing to slip up your hand and say, Pastor Gary, I needed to hear what you preached today. God bless you and you and you and you and all of you that are here this moment. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Stand to your feet this morning. They're going to come and sing, lift your hands to the Lord. Worship him. Give him praise and give him thanks today. Father, you saw every hand this morning. Don't allow them to leave like they came. Give them a new perspective, a new outlook. Reveal to them their value in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on and sing.